uh, you know, in my life, January is a, is a, is a season that it was a difficult season for, for me. And when Pastor Matt talks about maybe some are going through some difficult times now, we all have seasons, but um, I can remember January of 2000, and for those that were around then, that was Y2K. Just like just like it was yesterday for me, it was it was a really it was a really some of my darkest days in ministry and life. Uh, I can remember how my faith was tested, you know, asking things like, "Was God in control? Uh, how would He work this out for good?" You know, when you're in those dark times, you, you just can't see the light. And uh, and when you're out of control like that, uh, you're you're in the shadows of life without any light seemingly to come on you, it's really not hard to cry out to God. I mean, that's really easy to do. Uh, and it's not hard to be dependent upon God because you don't really have any human source of hope to change the circumstances that surround you, or you do it. But we're not talking about faith now. We're talking about love for 90 days, aren't we? So here's the question. How in the world... Can I love when my world is being overwhelmed by darkness? You see, love is the last thing, humanly speaking, that you think about when everything you count on is falling apart around you. And you're in a survival mode. You don't think about love. In our passage today, Kimberly read from it, Carolyn alluded to it, Matthew 26, Jesus faces the darkest days of his life on earth. And we're going to observe, hopefully the Holy Spirit will illuminate for us, his love radiating in the darkness that surrounded his life. So we're going to tell his story. And observing it, which we're going to be doing, won't make it your experience. But maybe it could become... Your prayer, something like, Holy Spirit, empower me to love like Jesus, even in the difficult days, and if you're in those difficult days, to be loved by Him. There's a saying, blind can't be taught, it must be caught. Now, you can plug whatever you want in there, but there are some things like love. You can't teach love. Love cannot be taught. It's something that you catch, meaning not like a cold or a virus, but it's just, it's on you. Today is 26 and 90 days with Jesus. And the goal that you've set is loving God, loving one another, and loving your community. And I want to give you a quick reminder, if you were with us the first Sunday, we're not talking about all four of the words that the Greek used for love. We in the English only have one word, but in the Bible times, they had four words in the Greek language. One is eros, love. Another is storge, which is is like affection. And another is philos, which is like, he's my brother. You know, I love my brother. But we're talking about here is called agape love. And we looked at it, a few weeks before I came, the month of January, in 1 Corinthians 13, you can see that passage. It describes it. We focused in on the patience of God's love, 
the kindness. We've looked at it doesn't seek its own last week, and then we looked at it doesn't take into account wrong suffered. What we're going to do today is we're going to look at 48-plus hours of Jesus loving others during his darkest days. Now, I had finished my outline. I had sent it over on Friday afternoon, and I just kept feeling like something was missing in what God wanted me to share about his word. And I got an answer to prayer. I was really blessed. And here's what it is. It's not just Jesus loving others during his darkest days. As an example for us, I want us to see what love looks like being lived out. And we're going to look at Jesus in the darkest of days, and you're going to see him loving people with four qualities. But here's the other thing. What was missing was how he loves you today. Because most of us want to be loved especially if we're in the shadows of life. So we're going to examine 48 hours of Jesus' darkest days through the lens of four qualities of agape love that are recorded in the verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 13. Agape love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Would you pray with me? Lord, may the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. May you accomplish your purpose for the word that you gave us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I told my grandkids there, some of them are here today, that, you know, I was given a long passage. You don't have to read it because we're going to go through it. Seventy-five verses. So I said, I might go a little longer today, and I found out all the kids are in the house today. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's not like I, you know, I, when I preached for 40 years, I went 40 minutes. But I've been keeping it down under 30 or 35 here, and I go, but it's like when you go to somebody's house, you don't, for dinner, you don't stay till midnight, you know. You can stay at your own house. You know, my church was used to it, so... Just listen. We want to get through the text today, right, Sean? Thanks, bro. <laughs> and uh, but let's look at these four loves that we're going. This is going to be the lens through which we're going to filter Jesus's forty-eight hours plus. Okay. First of all, bears all things. When the Bible says love bears all things, what it means? It means to give a covering over others. The word is used for a roof, actually, in the Greek. So it provides shelter, it's protection. It'll even hide the faults of others. Not, you know, helping them live in those things, but not outing them. Love doesn't out people. In fact, you see it when Jesus was about to come into Jerusalem during the Passion Week and in Matthew 23. He's up on a hill and he's about ready to descend into the city and he knows, has an idea what's going to face him and he goes, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I want to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under his wings, and you were unwilling. He loves the people of God, but he knows they're going to put him on a cross and crucify him. Love just bears all things. 
Love believes all things. It trusts that God is in control. And, and, and you can depend on God no matter what shadow you're in. Love emanates itself and it has this ability to believe God is sovereign. I think one of the greatest passages for me in the Bible that illustrates is the life of Joseph. And the kids hear that in Sunday school. When his brothers realized that he was alive and they were fearing for their lives that he was going to take revenge. But he said to them, and if you know his story, he went through a lot. He said, as for you, when you threw me in the hole and left me to die, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. In order to bring about this present result, you've got to read the story to know that result, to preserve many people alive. Love hopes all things. What does that mean? Well, we all have an idea of hope. It expects all things are going to turn out for good and for God's glory. It's the verse that we often quote, Romans 28. You see, when, when you love, you have hope. You have hope because you believe that all things will work together for good according to God's purposes to those that love Him and are called by Him. Now, this kind of hope is not just wishful thinking with a Pollyanna speculations of the future. Oh, it's just going to, the rainbow's out there. No, our hope is anchored by our faith in the promises of the inspired, infallible, in an errant word of God. If it is not true, then we have no hope. See, biblical hope is underwritten by the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament of Christ's birth, His death, and His resurrection. And they are affirmed in your heart and my heart by a filling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians says when we, were, when we believe, it is sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's what affirms it to us. And Romans 15, 13 says this, Now may, when Paul blesses the Roman church, he said, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that gives you hope. And the last lens that we're going to look through is through endures all things. Love endures all things. What it means is it absorbs the adversities of life for the sake of others. It's a military term. And it's taking the incoming fire from the enemy so that your loved ones don't get hit by it. In 1 Peter 4.8, we read, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love endures a multitude of sins. You can take the hits. Agape love always has the back of others and will take the fire themselves. So we're looking at 48 hours of Jesus loving others during his darkest days and how he loves you today in case you're in the shadows. These are 48 hours in the middle of the Passion Week, okay? And when I say the Passion Week, it leads up to Good Friday when Jesus was crucified, and then Easter Sunday he was resurrected. So what we're going to look at is beginning at Tuesday through Thursday night and early hours of Friday morning. Jesus spent Tuesday afternoon teaching about the last days. Carolyn alluded to it. 
In Matthew 24, the chapter that you maybe read on Friday, Jesus taught about understanding the last days through the signs that were going to happen. And then yesterday, you read from Matthew 25, Jesus was teaching through parables of what the last days were going to be like and how you need to be ready. So what we come to here in Matthew 26 in the time stamp is early Tuesday evening. It's probably after 6 p.m. 6 p.m. for the Jewish is the beginning of the next day. So it is the beginning of Wednesday for the Jews. And Jesus here prophesies his death and demonstrates a love that will bear all things. In other words, he's protecting his disciples from the weight of the reality. He prophesies it, but he prophesies it in a way that it doesn't overwhelm them. Verse 1 says, when Jesus had finished all these words, that is the parables and the signs, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. Now, they didn't really understand that theological term, the Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man? We're all born of men. Well, it was a metaphor for, you know, the Son of Man born of the Virgin Mary. But they didn't, it went right over their head. Then the chief priests simultaneously, that Tuesday afternoon, the chief priests and the elders of the people were gathering together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas. And they were plotting together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival of the Passover. Otherwise, a riot might begin among the people. And then we have a flashback in the timeline. We have a flashback to Saturday, the Saturday before. It's recorded in John 12. And what we are is reminded here, we see a picture of Jesus' love that it again bears all things. He gives a covering for others and he's protective of the woman that anointed him. He dared to touch a leper and and to heal him, and then he even goes into his home for a meal. And he defends Mary for preparing him for death, which was a prophetic act. So look at verse 6. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, this is the flashback, Saturday, the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this. And they said, why this waste? This perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you bother the woman? Because love bears all things. For she's done a good deed to me. You always will have the poor with you, but you're not always going to have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. Truly I say to you, whenever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. This is Mary, Martha's sister, and and the brother of Lazarus. And then we read now in the timeline, after Jesus did the teaching, that it seems as if Judas left the disciples Tuesday afternoon, evening. Verse 14, Then one of the twelve, named Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests 
And he said, what are you willing to give me to betray him? And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him. And from then on, he began looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. And now we fast forward to Thursday evening. There's a gap there in the Wednesday. And it may have even been the time that Judas found them and made the deal. We're not sure. But it's Thursday evening during the Passover meal what we call the Last Supper, which Kimberly talked about. And, and, and in the Passover was the Jewish celebration of when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, when they were in slavery. And the way that they were delivered was by having a lamb sacrificed in their home, and they took the blood of the lamb and they spread it over their door like the arch and the sides and the bottom of the door. And the angel of death, it says, was going to pass over all of Egypt, and anybody that didn't have that blood over their door, their firstborn would die. And so for since 4,000 B.C., almost 6,000 years, the Jews celebrate that Passover. And it reminds them, that a lamb covered our door, the blood of the lamb was sacrificed so that we might not die, our firstborn. And so they were celebrating it, and it became what we call the Lord's Supper because Jesus, as Kimberly said, became our sacrificial lamb. His blood was shed for us. And what we see is is that, again, Jesus' love believes all things. He trusts that God is in control. And even though Jesus knew his fate of being betrayed by the underhand acts of Judas, he knew that was going to happen. Look at verse 19. The disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. They found a room. They got everything together. And while they were at this meal, uh, he answered when he said someone was going to betray him. And he said... He he who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. Now, he did it, and it says in verse 24, the Son of Man is to go just as it is written. He knew that he was going to die. But he had this capacity to love. He didn't lose it or come out against anyone else because he believed that this was the will of God in his life and that God was in control. He knew he was going to die die an undeserved death. It said in verse 26, While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then we go on, and Jesus' love bears again all things, and he hides the faults of others. They're at the Lord's Supper. It's an intimate place, but he speaks truth to Judas, whom he knows is going to betray him, but evidently he doesn't clearly out him. He doesn't tell all the disciples. They don't really know, because if they would have known, they would have done something about it. Maybe humanly he was hoping for a change of heart, because remember, he is the Son of God, and he knew what the prophet spoke, but he also had the hope that maybe God could change his heart. 
And what we read in verse 25, And Judas, who was betraying him, said to Jesus, when, he said, when Jesus said, Someone will betray me, he said, Surely it's not I, Rabbi. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. But he didn't out him. You see, love bears all things. It gives covering for others. And even though Jesus knew that in the future, Peter would walk away from him, who's at the table, his love absorbed his disappointment, and he didn't give up on Peter. I mean, if I would have known someone's going to walk away from me, I might not reach out to them and extend the kind of love and compassion that I normally would. But look at verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Not going to desert them. But Peter said to him, Well, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, at this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Forty-eight hours of Jesus loving others during the darkest times of his life and how he can love us today, wherever you are. It's Thursday night now. And they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. They've left the supper. They've gone up to a remote place. It's right before Good Friday. And Jesus' love believes all things. And he trusts, no matter what is going on in his heart humanly, that God is in control. And even though he was grieving, with sorrow and battling depression. His love for God allowed him to be fully dependent upon the will of his heavenly Father. We read in verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to his disciples, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Would you remain here with me and keep watch? Remember, he went and he prayed and he prayed drops of blood. Jesus was so overwhelmed with grief. And he went a little beyond them and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And Jesus continues to demonstrate love to the disciples by bearing all things, and he gives up covering for them again. In spite of being hurt by his disciples, which most of us would in our humanness, you know, they're apathetic to his agony, he continues to love on them. We see in verse 40, and he came to the disciples. He was praying in agony and distress and drops of blood, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? 
And then he said, keep watching, keep praying. And he went away a second time, and he continued to pray. And then in verse 45, we see, then he came to his disciples, and he said to them, are you still sleeping? Are you still resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Remember, Judas wasn't with him. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. And again, we see the love of God in Jesus that believes all things. That in spite of the darkness that he's in, he trusts that God is in control. And even though he was betrayed and he was innocent, he demonstrates here his love by not striking back. Instead, he shows compassion in this moment by healing his enemies. In verse 49, we read, Judas told the Sadducees and the soldiers that the man that he kisses is the Messiah, is Jesus. And we read in verse 49, immediately Jesus went to, to, excuse me, Judas went to Jesus and he said, Hail, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you come, have come for. Then they came and they laid hands on Jesus and they seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached out and drew his sword, one of his disciples, and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I can't appeal to my Father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? I could stop this if I called upon my Father. But we know he didn't do that because he believed that his Father was in control. and That his Father loved him. And everything was for good and for his glory. Now we know Jesus in Luke 22 healed the man's ear, Marcus. We continue to see Jesus' love that he hopes all things. He expects everything to turn out for God's glory. For he says in verse 44, How then will the scriptures be fulfilled which say that it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come, that is, the soldiers, out with your swords and your clubs to arrest me, as you would have against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching, and you didn't seize me. But all this has taken place for one reason, to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled. You see, we see Jesus' love again, bearing all things. He covers the desertion of his disciples. And even though they abandoned him, put yourself there. One of your disciples betrays you. You're accused of something you've never done. And then all your disciples abandon you. But he never stopped loving them. It's Friday morning now, before dawn in the wee hours of the darkness still. And you see Jesus' love that endures all things, that he absorbs all the adversities for the sake of others. And even though he was innocent, out of his love for sinners, 
He experienced injustice in knowing that he was going to be the sacrificial lamb. It says in verse 65, Then the high priest, after they interviewed him with a sham of a jury trial, they had false evidence. They rammed it right through. And the high priest tore his robes and he said, He has blasphemed. What further do we need to have witnesses? Behold, you've heard now the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spat in his face and beat him with their fists. And others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is the one that hit you? And then we see, again, love that bears all things. He gives covering for his disciples. And even though he was rejected by his disciple Peter, he restored him as his rock upon which he built his church. A little later in the crowd of that morning, the bystanders came up and they said to Peter, because he came back to where Jesus was being on trial. And they said to him, Surely you two are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. And he began to curse Peter, that is, and swear, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. But you know the rest of the story. You'll read it this week. Jesus didn't stop loving Peter. He didn't stop loving his disciples. You're going to read, he didn't stop loving those that put him on the cross because he said, Father, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the way he loves us. I don't know what shadows you're in, but I know this. There's nothing here that is different than what you could ever do that would make Jesus stop loving you. And God can give you that love. You can't learn it. It is something that the Holy Spirit has to fill you with. His Spirit will empower you. This is agape love. This is God's love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And so when you need this, just look up. Admit that you're powerless. Let it go. Ask God for help. And then live in Christ and abide in Him, for in your weakness, He will be made strong. I'm going to just end with a prayer from Ephesians. And so receive this prayer for the rest of these 90 days. Would you bow your eyes and the band will come forward as we pray. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, 
may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name, amen.